This is the Final Whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team. Hi, I'm Mark Griffiths from Wrexham AFC and I'm going to preview now the game at Yeovil. Wrexham, after winning in the first game of the season, now have to maintain that with two tricky games coming up. And although normally I'd preview just the one, you know the old football cliche, take it one game at a time, I don't think we should completely ignore the fact that on Tuesday is a massive test away to Chesterfield because in this sweltering heat that we're experiencing at the moment, it'll be interesting to see whether that influences Phil Parkinson's thinking at all uh, going into these matches. But anyway, it's Yeovil first, a chance for Wrexham to set a little club first because we've not won the first two matches in the National League in any the seasons that we spent in the fifth tier. So that's a little marker that we can aim for. Yeovil lost last Saturday, and having watched that game, well, I'm not quite sure what to expect of them. They were away to Scunthorpe, again, a team that you really don't know what to expect of. And in the first half, I thought Yeovil were very poor. They were sluggish on the ball. They didn't move the ball around very well. They were playing three at the back with a holding midfielder in front of them and they were a bit stodgy and they weren't defensively sound despite that system because they were doing that in order to try and get their wing-backs very high up the pitch and as a result, it was easy to get in behind those wing-backs and when balls came in, despite the fact they had three big centre-backs in there, they didn't defend crosses terribly well. So at half-time in the game, I was feeling pretty optimistic. The second half, though, that gave Scunthorpe something to think about, especially when they went 2-0 down, because they made some changes, and the main one forced upon them saw uh, Ben Pearson, who's been part of the Wales youth setup for some time, coming on, and they changed their formation to more of a 4-4-2, although Pearson on the left pushed on a hell of a long way, and was terrific. He's only on loan for them for a month from Bristol City, but he made a big difference, and now, to be fair, this may have been their kitchen sink throwing formation. You know, like when Phil Parkinson decides to go hell for leather and put the extra striker on. This might have been that. They may not choose to do that from the start of the game. But they have shown flexibility in their formations. And I think they may well start with that four at the back formation. And certainly, after what I saw, I'd be quite shocked if they didn't start off <coughs> with uh, Pearson in the starting eleven. Anyway, to look through the team and to look first at what they were like in the first half. I mean, Grant Smith in goal is one of the better goalkeepers in the National League. They've got no problems there. The back three, well, Max Hunt is, again, a centre-back who is one of the better ones at this level. Morgan Williams normally of full-back, but he's a big fella who can play it at centre-back. He, I thought he looked better at full-back, if I'm perfectly honest. Interestingly, in the middle of the three is Ben Richards-Everton, a signing this summer from Barnet. Yes, Barnet. He played full 90 minutes of both the Barnet's games against us. And as we all know, last season, Barnet's defence was absolutely appalling. Um, so let's hope that he can maintain those standards against us. But there's plenty of height and strength in there, and Williams has got a bit of pace. They then had Josh Thornton sitting in front of him. Now, again, he's maybe the... the the key man for them, their captain. He can play centre-back, he can play holding midfield, he's big, he's strong, he's aggressive, he's he's got the strength and aerial ability of a centre-back. Because I think the idea was that with a back three and him in front that they would be rock-solid at the back, and they certainly weren't. 
Um, Staunton's, like I say, a big character though. He was very good at the race course last season. They were the only team, of course, to win at the race course in the league last season. And he's an important player for them. A destructive player who will be looking to stop the likes of Elliot Lee and Jordan Davis when they break forwards into positions between the lines. The wing-backs were very interesting. Charlie Wakefield on the right, not naturally a, a full-back or wing-back, really a skillful player who, frankly, didn't get forwards enough and managed to get players isolated, the full-back isolated sometimes and didn't really trouble him enough. He's got quality, Wakefield. I'd expect more of him. And then on the left, of course, our old friend Jamie Record. And I did really well. Like I said, they were playing the wing-backs very high up the pitch and Record really was advanced, much more than Wakefield, which might seem a bit topsy-turvy as Wakefield's more of a creative player. But he scored a good goal record, uh, taking it with his left, a good first touch on the stretch and then finishing very calmly with his right. He got into the box, got in some very advanced areas. He was attacking crosses from the other side, from the other side at wing-back Wakefield. So he did very well as wing-back and as a full-back he was progressive as well. Like I said, their formation might have been a risk-taking one. Centre midfield, Matt Worthington is a class player. I like him. He buzzes around. He looks to play the killer ball. He's he's quite inventive. Having Staunton there allows him a bit more of a free roll. Left side of the of the three but still drifting around quite a lot. Sam Perry on the other uh, <coughs> alongside him rather. It's on loan from Walsall. And that's interesting, because as part of the deal, struck two days before the season started, which robbed them of their top scorer, Knowles, and that's a big loss for them as well. Um, he was industrious, he went off injured, it was Pearson who replaced him, and I suspect they'll stick with that. Pearson left-sided, wanted to cut back on his right all the time, Wrexham will need to be aware of that if he's starting, um, because he really did want to go on his right, but he had good quality delivering from wide areas, and he's quick. I think Pearson's a very good player for this level. Up front, frankly, I wasn't very impressed. Alex Fisher is the big target man. And sometimes he linked play up quite nicely when it was on the floor. He had, he was looking to make little first-time layoffs, popping the ball off, and he was good at that. He wasn't good in the air, though. He was, he was bossed by George Taft and Andrew Boyce. Uh, he really won very, very little in the air, whereas at the other end, Joe Nuttall was winning a hell of a lot against... Uh, Eastley's three centre-backs, something for Ollie Palmer to consider. And then alongside Fisher up front was Malachi Linton, and he was supposed to be the little fella who ran off him, and, and he, he didn't have a great deal of punch about him, really. He was quite quick. He got into the game a little bit more as the game wore on, maybe just helped him having more attacking options, having... You know, the four four two meant that there were more players sticking crosses in or linking up and getting close to him. But they certainly improved enormously in the second half, especially when they changed that shape. And they started popping the ball around a bit quicker as well. There was one interesting phase of play which showed that they want to play it out from the back. They don't want to be pumping it towards Alex Fisher all the time. And they really worked their way out of a very energetic high press by Scunthorpe. So they've got something about them. But like I said, they look lightweight in attack. They only scored two goals in pre-season, which well, obviously is highly alarming. I know pre-season matches don't count for everything, but mm, two games, two goals in, in a full pre-season is a bit of a worry, isn't it? A couple of interesting options up front for them as well. Well, replacing Fisher in this match and potentially on Saturday is Matty Gravoski. 
who um, was only signed for them a day or so beforehand. He's on loan from Bolton, having scored a lot of goals for Warrington. And he's a big unit, but he was putting himself about a lot more than Fisher. And in the short time he was on, I felt he just discomforted the centre-backs a bit more. So a bit raw, perhaps, but possibly more potentially damaging. And speaking of someone who's raw but potentially damaging, of course, on Friday evening, Yeovil revealed they'd signed Jimmy Toure. Remember him? Trialist A. And, well, I mean, we know what he is, don't we? He's untutored and raw, but he's very quick, and he can get himself into good positions. So it'll be quite interesting to see which of the four they'll select. A couple of wild card selections there that, that could just maybe throw us a little bit. As for Wrexham, well, we're certainly not going to change our shape. There's lots of interesting options in midfield. It's, Phil Parkson sounded fairly optimistic about Tom O'Connor's injury. It'd be nice to think that he's available. I certainly wouldn't want to see him repeat his injury nightmare again because he's a crucial player for us, I think, this season. But as for who else starts, I mean, Elliot Lee, of course, won the match on Saturday. But when we were talking on Dragonheart, we all seemed to think he might be on the bench to start off with and possibly with an eye on Chesterfield on Tuesday. But uh, Elliot Lee will be desperate to start, won't he? He's certainly shown he's got enough sharpness. And then Jordan Davis as well came off the bench and put in a good shift. So it'll be interesting to see what combination we select in midfield. I think the rest of the team will probably pretty much pick itself. But as I said, let's not forget that we've got a huge game coming up on Tuesday night. And it's going to be hot at Yeovil on Saturday. So will that come into consideration? Will Wrexham possibly consider switching things around a little bit? And especially with the strength and depth we've got at the moment, you do wonder if that will bring in players like Mondi into consideration, like Davis and Lee. It'll be interesting to see exactly what Wrexham do here. And Tunnicliffe as well, of course. But anyway, it's an interesting setup. <coughs> and an interesting setup for a massive week for Wrexham as the season truly gets properly underway. Remember, you can listen to full live commentary with myself on Wrexham Player uh, from about 10 to 3. And then after the match, there'll be the Hot Take podcast, there'll be a Quiban Tevenol, and there will be a long-form podcast, of course, coming out to analyse things in more detail. And also remember that the highlights will be able to be released on our YouTube channel at midnight on Monday morning. So, for the fans travelling down, and is in excess of a thousand, I believe, which is remarkable. I mean, wow, what support we have. And all the rest of you, I hope you enjoy your weekend, hope you enjoy the game, most importantly, because that'll mean we've done well, and let's hope we set ourselves well for the Chesterfield match. I'm Mark Griffiths, from Wrexham AFC, and this was our preview of Yeovil Town against Wrexham. What a dreadful way to end the podcast. Sorry, everyone. Bye-bye. This is the Final Whistle Podcast from the Rexham AFC media team.